through um, different matters such as uh, losing children. So Steve has been there for us when we lost our daughter. And so we got, and that's one thing to make point and clear that it's not against Steve as a person. Um, the Bible speaks that we're, that we fight against flesh and blood, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of the air. That's what we, we battle here. What we have is a Calvinistic understanding and predestination and election. Um, when one is, one was told from the pulpit that, number one, we're born of the devil. I haven't found that in the scripture. That's in the scriptural. Um, another, another thing is that preaching repentance and forgiveness of sins is preachers of unbelief. I guess that won't be found in the scriptures either. Um, this is an apostolic Lutheran church, Lutheran, not Calvinist. And I believe that Steve has Calvinist understanding. That are contrary to Luther. I said after meeting after meeting since I've been here, we've been here six years, and heavy, heavy emphasis always pushed towards the predestination outside of Christ. Um, and this is what other people aren't happy about. Um, repentant Jesus states in Luke that we are to preach repentance and forgiveness of sins. If we, if those that preach repentance and forgiveness of sins are preachers of unbelief, then what we're told several Sunday evenings ago is Jesus was a preacher of unbelief. Um, we were brought the book of Concord at meetings, and we were told that we don't, you know, we don't understand what what those are all about. But we began reading them. We were rebuilt for not reading them, so we did. And in there, it speaks against his understanding of predestination. Lutheran founders. Um, I brought out a name, Martin Kevnitz, and his understanding of, the mat of those matters, and there was no recollection at all who that man even was, and he's in the Book of Concord, his name. So I don't know what's going on here. I think there's deceit, dishonesty, of where his stands are in these matters. And they should be made forthright in honesty. We were told that Luther and Calvin were one and one. No, they are not. Those that where Steve's leanings are towards predestination and election are Calvinist understandings, not the converted Lutherist understandings. So yeah, we have great differences there. No one had there seems to be an issue that the preachers here have a problem with justific justification, Christ and crucified. It isn't. I don't know if 
there's anybody that has preached that their justification is outside of Christ and crucified. There's eternal sacrifice, but there's also a daily sacrifice as we journey as God's children. If we're going to say that uh, repentance isn't to be preached and look at all the epistles, and all those epistles have to go out the door, folks. Can I say something? Yep. Steve, I talked to Steve about that sermon, and I agree with him. He said he did not say that the repentance is not needed. What he said is confession is not needed before you can receive faith. Who has preached that? Steve. No, that you do. That you do what? Need repentance before faith. You, you said that he said that we don't need repentance. He said uh, it wasn't uh, repentance. You know what? Go right back to the Calvinist understanding and you do not. You can say in a conversation that that's so. But will you ever hear it preached? Will you ever hear how the journey is for the child of God that struggles against sin the Calvinists understand it predestinated. It doesn't matter anymore because you, by the foreknowledge of God, you're saved. Period. I have not met one person that holds that understanding that feels they're damned. All I know is I got writings from Steve of Luther's understanding of predestination. I don't know where they came from. If they're Luther's own writing, it was before he was converted. But Luther met Stelpitz. And he felt he was on that, in that damn state. You know what he did? He was in despair. And the word Stolpitz pointed him to? The wounds of Christ. If we're going to preach predestination rightly, it's in Christ. Alone. Not before, but it's in Christ. Calvinists will never teach it that way. Never. Because they can't. Now we're hearing that the law only is the revealed original sin. I've heard it many times from the Pope. Nowhere in the Scriptures does it say just original sin. It, pre it will reveal original sin, but it also will reveal sin in our life. The law, what's the, what's the purpose of the law? It's the knowledge of sin. Those are Paul's own writings. You know, I'd just like to say a few things. <clears throat> you know, I've been here you know, since this church started. And it's like 17, well, maybe 16 years. And it seems like in the last... <clears throat> I mean, I've never heard anything of this... You know what's being discussed right now until the last maybe six years. So to me, it's something new and it's something dangerous. I agree. agree. And I've seen, you know, like I said, I've seen, you know, splits into two splits through this church, different understandings, different this, and different that, and it's like I. You know, this is new to me. Well, how did Steve say it in the sermon? That such is the preachers of unbelief 
that say that you that require some? How, I can't. I don't know. I can't say it word for word. But how do you say it? That require something before faith. Before you can be have faith. Have to listen to it again. I know it's been transcribed. So. Well, what's your understanding of predestination? What's my understanding of predestination? Well, number one, uh, we know that God's word speaks of predestination, so there is predestination. And uh, in predestination, uh, it is a working of God's heart and mind before the world began, before man came into the world, God had an election, and there is an election of grace, and there are the elect. Do we agree with that? There are the elect. And if there are the elect, then those whom God calls, uh, those whom are predestinated, He calls. And it's a working of God. And we might say, well, it doesn't seem right. It's unfair. And how is it a working of God, Bob? How is it a working of God when He so, so wills to call man unto Himself? And whomsoever He will. How does He call man unto Himself? Through the Word. Through the hearing of the Word. Uh, when, so when, when a word is... When a word is... When a word is... Sp- when the word is spoken, uh, and he opens the ears of man to hear that word that awakens him, then that heart begins to seek for grace and for mercy because it comes to know, uh, comes to understand that the wages of his or her sin is eternal death. So, as God then works in that heart, when He calls, He doesn't leave a place, a person in that place of unrest and uh, trouble, but He brings them to a place, those whom He calls, He justifies. And He brings them to a knowledge of the work that He has done through His Son, Jesus Christ, for us sinners. And those whom He justifies, He sanctifies. And yes, there is a journey for the child of God in the light of God's word. And it is always so many times thought that if we understand predestination or or try to understand predestination, let me put it that way, uh, I I can't say I'm a scholar and I understand it perfectly, that so many times people say, well, now you feel you can live as you want and you'll still go to heaven. Absolutely not. But I know that God is a righteous God and He works as He will. And even in Paul speaks in there that uh, people will say, you know, that He's unfair and so forth. And, and we've all heard of how can the how can the uh, thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? and so forth. God does his work, and we pray that he would do his work in every heart on the face of this earth. 
that he would open their ears and understanding to hear his word, the word of awakening and the word of grace and the gospel through Jesus Christ. But not all do hear. Not all do hear. And we know that there is coming a day when those who are the called and those who have not been called and made partakers of the grace of God through Jesus Christ, there is an eternal separation. And that's why we are told in God's word to preach repentance and remission of sins to all nations. And that we pray could even continue in our midst here that that word could yet go forth. That's, uh, bri that's briefly uh, predestination. It's, it's, it's in God's hand. It's His work. How else can we understand it? Can we explain it other than it's a work of God? Can it be found outside of Christ? Absolutely not. Okay. Absolutely not. And no one in our midst, no speaker says it can be found outside of Christ. So how are we handling this meeting? Is the accusations that are brought up towards Steve going to be brought to him that he has opportunity to say his part or how is this going to be handled? I believe that has been brought up to at the last meeting that we had over there. And what I seen at that meeting, Terry, you'll never get steeped up. As long as those tables are, that's what he did. And when we went to question him, he turns it and he's questioning us. And we're not questioning him. And that's what I experienced with Steve. If I could ask, what is, what is repentance? Is repentance and confession of sins the same thing? Repentance is turning away. And confession is something different. Steve said, from what I understand he was saying, is we don't need to confess before we can receive faith. But he did not, he said he did not say, and he will never say, that a Christian does not need repentance. And from what I understand is it feels like that you have to have confession, and confession is repentance. It's not. So you're saying that a repentance is a condition of heart and confession is a deed, so to speak. Yeah, look further than that. It's a proof of your repentance. And that is what Steve is saying. And I know Steve and what he has gone through and what I have gone through. When I lay in bed at night knowing that I am a sinner and my stomach is just in knots, knowing there is nothing I can do. There is nothing. My confession was no good. And then God came and he revealed to me what his son had done for him and that it was forgiven it was not through confession but it seems like most people think repentance is confession it's not Brian you had mentioned about the him speaking born of the devil mm -hmm. uh, that is a Lutheran statement I have two quotes here from Luther that he says that that I would like to read he says, in all Christian earnestness, I would ask all those who administer baptism, who hold a child or witness it, to take this wonderful work to heart in all its seriousness. For here in the words of these prayers, you hear how meekly and earnestly 
the Christian church concerns itself about the little child and how it confesses before God in plain undoubting words that he is a possessed that he is possessed by the devil and is a child of sin and wrath and prays very diligently for aid and grace through baptism that he may become a child of God. That's in Luther's Baptism Liturgy, A.E. Volume 53, page 101. Born of the devil and possessed of the devil are different, aren't they? Then he says, the de- This deaf, dumb, blind, and demon-possessed man represents all the children of Adam who through the flesh are possessed of Satan in original sin, so that they must be his slaves and do according to his will. I, I'm not hearing everything there, so I'd like to make a request that we get a copy of that recording to us. I'm missing a couple of things here. When, as, when you turn around, talk to him. So I didn't want to ask to repeat everything. But well, I think Brian should have sat up there personally. <laughs> Um, the other thing is when you said in your sermon that sin has a name and must be put away by name did, did you say that this is taught that in the Bible yeah where is it taught in the Bible that sin is that every it's, it's shown right in here that sin is to be put away by name put it, well how else do we put it away so every sin must be put away by name well we oh. confess before God we sure do but every we don't even know what all sin we are we are total sin what does Luther say? Say, in the light of the Ten Commandments, we we that's how we those look those, those things that trouble, that, that trouble us. We put away by name. I'll tell you, walk as a child of God. There's going to come sin by name, and we're going to be putting it away by name. Oh, of course we will. Yeah. And it's, it's, but it's what I get when you, when we start hearing that is it's we start walking and we wondering is how how are we going to confess that last sin before I die. To put sin away by name, if it comes by name? I'm not saying if it comes, but when it's taught, when it's preached that. That if sin comes, if sin is committed by name, that we don't put it away by name? Is that what we're saying then, or what? No, it's, uh, from what I'm hearing is that we must confess every sin by name that we've committed. Who is saying that? Well, in your sermon when you said that. I said you put away every sin you by said name. Sin? No, how did you say it? I don't know. You got to tell me. If I if I remember, it was said that a sin is not forgiven except it be put away by name. That's what I remember hearing. And maybe so I've wait, heard, I've, that's wait, remember. I, I mean, let's listen to it. Let's listen to it. That that would be fine. Um, I remember hearing of a young person who said that, well, I hope before I die, I've confessed every sin. All of my sins. That poor soul, if she is under a burden like that, not that we are saying that people do not confess sin by name, but to kind of to make it a command or a demand, I don't feel that's good. Because we know that when God weighs on the heart of a person their sin, and they seek for help and for forgiveness, they speak of them. It isn't a demand. You don't have to say, no, what have you done? No, they begin to speak of what they have done. And they open their heart, and they want to 
express what they have done before God and man. And then they are the blessed matter of confession and absolution. Luther says, is not the confession, but it's the absolution. That there is forgiveness for sin, for sinner man. The absolution, your sins have been paid for in the body of Christ, in the Garden of Gethsemane on the cross of Calvary. There's forgiveness for you. That's the blessed part of confession and absolution. And so often we get we go the other way. We think that, well, boy, we have to confess every sin. No, Luther says, here, consider your station in the light of the Ten Commandments, whether you're a father, mother, master, missus, son, servant, whatever, whatever you have and what you have done. Uh, yes, then confess those, those sins. But don't make it a demand and a command that you have to name every sin so that it seems like people would try and just about make things up. That, uh, uh, and in fact, I've heard there is a group where, and I, it's only of what I've heard. I haven't been told, you know, I haven't talked to people who've done it, but uh, that, that they just about tried to make things up because they had to ask forgiveness for something. And so that's why I say we have to be careful in these things. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is free to all penitent hearts, to all those who become troubled with their sins. It's a free gospel. Believe your sins forgiven in Jesus' name and blood, or however you want to say it. So people believe in the forgiveness of sins, would you tell them that they don't need to? That the forgiveness of sins is not needed? Oh, absolutely not. No. That's what I heard. Oh. I heard it at your house. The forgiveness of sins is not needed. It's only to make man feel good. Quote, unquote. And that disturbs me. That understanding. And as far as the accusations against the other one that Bob is speaking, I've never heard it spoken in this church right here. What was that? Demanding repentance to repent of everything. I have not heard that. Well, see, Arnold, it, it's how people interpret things. Children, for instance, you know, young people. We want to teach them, and we have taught our children, and I think all of us would teach our children of confession and absolution. And it's not a wrong teaching. But then we pray that we would also teach them. And I have been, I have to say, I have been one who has relied heavily in the past on confession and absolution. And I don't want to belittle it. I don't look down upon it. But I feel God has pointed me more to the absolution now that there is forgiveness for my sins in the name and in the blood of Jesus Christ. And yes, you know, have you ever have you ever had somebody come to you with a troubled heart and they begin to speak of their sin and they're crying so hard they can't even say what they can't even say what they want to say, you know? What do we do? What, what was that? No, what was that? You know, no, you don't they speak their heart. You don't even understand all they said or what, what all they talked about. But when they are through, you want to assure them that your sins are forgiven in the name and in the blood of Jesus Christ. That all your sins are forgiven. Oh, exactly. Known and unknown. And I've heard that often said. Known and unknown. And that's how it is. David, David says, who can know his faults? Who can know his faults? 
Why, why is it that the, the tone is coming across? In Steve's sermons, seem to be predominantly children are born, children of the devil. And repentance of sin did not require that. That's, that's, no, that, that's the sermon I listened to. Not the last one of Steve's, but the other one. I rejoiced when he preached that. Because you know what? I've been to that place. You know what? I can rejoice that my sins are forgiven. They are washed in Jesus' blood. So if somebody wants to repent of their sins, why say that that's not needed? That it's not needed. That's that's the opposite of that. That's yeah. not re- you're confessing or repentance. What are you saying? If someone would repent of their sins, is it necessary or not? If it's laid on their heart to put sin away, <coughs> to confess their sin. Yeah. If someone would say well, to repent of your sin, are, are, I guess the point is what we're hearing. That's a preacher of unbelief. See, I think you get mixed up though on repentance and confession. No, it was confusion preached from right there. Not from my heart. You know what? I was in the dining hall. Many people rose up and said, what is that? Strange voice. It's a strange voice, folks. Could I read here what Luther writes on confession and absolution? Sure. There is today much stress placed upon auricular confession of sin. That is the confession one makes into the ear of another person. It is also called private confession. This has been fomenting for decades until it is now to the point where one, where other words have wrongly become synonymous with confession, such as repentance, putting away sin, and laying sin aside. The term forgiveness of sins is tied almost exclusively to private confession. Also, many places in scripture are misunderstood to speak of auricular confession and are taught in such a way as to require such confession. Luther teaches, however, that this confession is nowhere demanded by Scripture, but it is of human right and is beneficial in the church as a comfort for troubled consciences. Not that one can breathe a sigh of relief that they finally met the requirement of confession, but that they're able to hear the gospel or absolution preached. Herein is our comfort that we are reassured and strengthened to believe that by faith in the blood of Christ we are in a state of forgiveness wherein God does not impute our sin unto us. Private confession is but one of the many ways by which God pours out abundant absolution upon his church. He desires that we be comforted, confident of his good will toward us through Christ. And that's how we believe. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you my experience in this that we heard from behind this pulpit that confession is not necessary. That's the thrust of it. It's not necessary. Well, I can tell you my experience in South Carolina right here. At the time of my journey, when I began to hear that from behind the pulpit, that it's not necessary to repent everything, that just believe. Believe in the redemptive work of the Savior and Redeemer. And that's a journey I started. Well, you know what? It went from one sin to another sin. And the devil said, well, you can believe that, but I mean, you're a child of God. You can believe the redemptive work of the Savior and Redeemer. And it went from one thing to another thing. So pretty soon the devil had me, and he said, look, there's no hope for you. You might as well turn and go out in the world. You know what? I turned, and I was going to go out in the world. But the Savior and the demon grabbed me by, physically by the shoulder. If you ever felt the physical grab, I had it by the soldier. By the soldier. And he said, no, I, you can't go. But put the matters away. And that was my experience of hearing that kind of preaching. Why do they belittle that which has been taught through the years 
encouraging men to put away every weight of sin that weighs upon the heart. Why do they want to do away with it? And you wonder why living Christianity is dying? That's why it's dying. Because no longer is there any importance to put away matters. No, that's not true, Arnold. There's great importance to put away matters, and that's not the issue that's being spoken. The issue is that people are making salvation out of forgiveness of sins. Who? And, and Estela spoke about that. Estela said that that is, that is the... How was it? Estela said it was the golden calf, and Alex Bacala said it was the first harlot. One of them said one, one said the other, that people get caught up in. Our very Augsburg Confession, that is the doctrine of our church that this church confesses, if you read an article in, that, in the article in the Augsburg Confession, that's exactly what they speak here. But they said it's supposed to remain in the church. Mm-hmm. Nobody's, nobody's putting confession and repentance so, out of the church. But it's not... But if you're that, told it's not, it's not necessary, if the thrust of the message is just believe, it's not necessary, what do you think people are going to do? Exactly. My question is, what sin do we so want to hold on to and yet be the child of God and hold on to something so we can grab you know are these discussions about from those birth and water baptism maybe Luther said that okay let me finish maybe Luther said that I tip my hat to that alright and the, that has gone to this pre, all this predestination first predestination first that's the thrust of it Derry you with your very own mouth ask somebody what do you think about predestination before Christ? That's where this goes. Because it's Calvinistic. Understand it. Yes. To who? I'd like to. Paul Smallwood. And Paul said he was floored. Well, I'll talk to him about it. Yeah. Recall the, I, think I don't recall the incident you know what? we were talking about. Folks, this is the whole thrust here. of this whole matter. It's Calvinistic understanding of, of election outside of Christ. You can say that that um, it's not so, but that's the thrust of it. I've been in it six years, and that's the whole thrust of that matter. And that's Kelvin's understanding, not Luther's. You were born and knew you were led by the Spirit. Yeah, under under. Yeah, not to walk in sin, though. Exactly, under sanctification, a person doesn't want to walk in sin or live in sin. Correct. There's not. Even, but we do. I understand that. So what do we do saying, when we do? You're saying we're trying to harbor sin. Somebody's trying to harbor sin, and that's why they're bringing in these doctrines. That's false. You know, it's totally false. You read that Luther's thing. He was talking about the Catholic Church there, was he not? And their confessions. He was talking about a biblical because he said no. But he was his, his he dealings was with the Catholic Church at that time, correct? He quote well most and they of had a, they had the confession booths and whatever they had. Most of his time. debate was against yeah. the Catholic Church. Yeah. Right? That's right. what I'm saying. Where do you see amongst people today where confession is being abused? I'm saying if confession is your salvation. I asked the question. I'm, I'm sharing. I'm asking answer. a question. Where do you see today where confession and absolution is abused? I'm answering it if you let me. Okay. I said if confession is your salvation, Estella said. Who says? I, who says that's their salvation? Who's saying that? Can Gary? I finish what I'm saying? I said if confession is your salvation. Yeah. Estella, when he came to New Hampshire, he said, "I see that many of you have tasted of the gift of God." But do you know the giver? So and is that is that lacking here of knowing the giver? When From our pulpit, I'm asking. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. 
I'm told by a person who moved down here from New Hampshire. Uh, I say I'm told. Did she tell me or I? We could ask her. Um, years ago, when Ed Sikula came to New Hampshire to speak, and I wasn't there, but uh, you guys were, I'm sure. And uh, he went to her house, and he said. He walked in and he said, well, we have a new Savior in the Apostolic Lutheran Church, Confession and Absolution. And so I guess they went on to discuss from there. Now, Ed Sikula, if anybody would uphold those kind of doctrines, I think it would be him. From what I remember of Ed, Ed was a dear old brother to, to me, I thought. Who told you this story? Mary Hord. I don't believe it. Huh? I don't, I don't, I don't oh, you don't believe it? Well, okay. I know what my grandpa preached. Well, I've, I've been there many times. I've been in the kitchen most days when he come over. You know, and it's like uh, I, I don't, Paul. I don't know who he talked to up there or what. Uh, but anyway, uh, well, I, it was I said. Think the hearsay, hearsay aside, but I guess I have another question, Derry. You're saying that uh, what you're hearing is that your salvation is in confession absolution. Who is saying that? That is as much in the message as you're saying there's predestination in Steve's message. So you're saying as a whole, people are putting the soul matter, the preachers here are putting the soul yeah. matter, yeah. other than obviously. Yeah, and if we go to Psalms 130. So you're saying Psalms. Dougie, Bob, myself, I'm saying in Psalms, the 103rd Psalm, if you go there and, and starting with the third verse, there's five topics. You won't answer that, will you, Derry? There's five topics that are spoken there. Derry, will you and answer that? I'm answering, Brian. No. What do you what want? Names? You want me to say something? Well, you, you, you want names from us, I'm, so I want names from you. You never give names. You never do. So you you expect other people to. Well, your message is basically about God. Others speak of God. That's the difference. Okay. So, if so you go to right, is your Psalm, right with me then, or what? Is if you go to 103rd Psalm and read Barry, in there, the first Barry, is your third, right fourth, then? and fifth verses about it. I'd be glad to. Because my message, I would pray, is it's in Christ, through Christ, and by Christ. Through his redemptive work, our predestination is in his wounds. Our forgiveness is found in his wounds. You know, in in, in all the years growing up in that, it's, it seemed like the the preaching was preach repentance. Preach for men to repent of their sins. And what do you say repentance is? Confession? Is repentance well, if, if you're confessing. repenting, you're confessing. But you know what I experienced this? I confessed a lot of sins, and you know what? They weren't forgiven. They I, I think you're, you're separating there, and you're confusing yourself. No, I'm not confusing myself. I think you are. I think you are. Because it's like, I mean, what? I mean, is it this or is it that? It's like, well, it's, it's all <laughs> confession. In absolution, repentance, confessing your sins. I mean, where am I? Where am I miss? 
Where am I? It's, it's, it's oh, all in them. It's all ties in together. It's all ties in together. It's the power of God's word. When we're, when we're first to proclaim sin forgiven, I was just reading Luther about that. <clears throat> when sins are pro proclaimed forgiven in Jesus' name and blood, it's as if that God himself comes down and says those words. But he use, uses us as his servants. He gives us that authority to do that. Who has ever sinned, he retained, yeah. they retained those ever sinned. But it's, it's, all in the, it's all in the word of God, the power in, in, in God's word. You know, God created heaven and earth with his word. And now, and now he has given that to every Christian, to every believer that can proclaim sins forgiven in Jesus' name and blood. It's his word. It's a power. Yeah. I remember there was a time in my life that you know, there's people going off that well you can just you know you can just go in the closet and um, you know go to God directly you know there's people I believe that they just go in the closet and pray and and the sins are forgiven you know and I remember when I was struggling even on my life I was thinking man well, that would be so easy but but when I committed sin I committed against Christ and, I, and it had to be brought out because I sinned against him. And, it, and, it's, and, it's, and it's hard to bring sins up. And, and to confess those sins is so hard. And why? Why is it so hard to confess those sins by name? Pride of man. Yeah. Doesn't want to be humble. And, and, and there's a consequence for sin. And when we, when we have to proclaim, I mean, we have to ask for those sins and ask them by name. We don't want to do that again because it's so difficult to put those sins away. I know I've committed sin. And how hard is to put them sins away. If it would be easy, you know, there's no consequence. But there is a consequence for sin. Repentance is a condition of heart. Mm -hmm. And from a condition of heart uh, that is repentant before God, when we know our sin and are troubled by them, uh, yes, there are those things that we do mention by name uh, to God and to one another, but there are those things that, as Donald said, when we tell someone to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, sins known and unknown are forgiven. They're all forgiven. So and there is exhortation that we do give, hey, for that believe believe them all forgiven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there a such thing as a key for binding? So what is that key for binding then? Good question. It's the word. When the word of God is spoken, and Doug, you, I don't know how you would understand this, but when the word of God is spoken, and God opens the, the ears of one to hear, that's when they begin to be bound in their sins. The key for binding? It's the word. And what else is the key for loosing? But the word, the gospel, the law awakens by the for by the laws and knowledge of sin, and the gospel releases the key for loosing. It's through the word, and God has only us poor sinners that He can use to speak His, bring forth His word, whether it be 
the word of awakening or the word of release and freedom. Forgive me. I I feel it's a beneficial, very beneficial matter. Well, beneficial, but you need is is you need the audible declaration. It's taught in our it's taught in our church, Paul, that we have the audible declaration of the forgiveness of sins. Well, how do you feel, Paul? Yeah. yeah. What do you mean by audible? Oh, well, I I think uh, you brothers even have known I've from the pulpit asked that sins could be. I acknowledge my sin. I'm a sinful man. And no, I maybe haven't mentioned certain things by name, maybe. But I'm a sinful man and sometimes that's how our own heart condemns us. And so I do, I do believe in, in the uh, word or the absolution as we are taught to believe in the word of God that there is forgiveness for sin. By the audible, I mean just that you hear someone say it and the laying on of hands. I mean, these are the, what do you call it, the foundations of Christianity, the, the understandings that I've heard all my life is, is the audible declaration, confessing your sins, one to another, audible declaration of forgiveness of sin and the laying on of hands. It's, that just kind of, summed up the whole confession absolution you know I don't I, I, the thing is it, it's, it's how can you how can you simplify it any more than that you know and then the flip side of that is why would you complicate it any more than that you know when I hear things like the forgiveness of sins isn't needed without any you know explanation you know, or biblical backing, and I'm just trying to understand, you know, where is that understanding coming from? You know, and I think in a lot of these discussions and all that, you know, that we've had here, we've had amongst ourselves, we've had, had with all the preachers here at, at, at the time, including Steve and, and Paul and all of that stuff. I mean, it, it, it always seems like you come away with an agreement, but yet what you hear raises questions in your mind, you know. Well, why, why is that said like that? Where's that understanding coming from? You know, we've talked about infant salvation, you know, and, and things like that. And it's like, it's the same thing with predestination. It's like, who can understand it? Why would you dwell, why would you make it seem like a mandate? You've got to put that point across all the time. There's so many other parts of the Bible that would be edifying for, the, for people to hear, you know. Encouragement along the walk. I mean, I think we we all could we all could benefit from a healthy dose of that. You know, encouragement, instruction. Uh, you know, uh, it's there's there's so many things we could we could hear. You know, that when 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 these things come up and people hear infant salvation things like that, it's like I mean, to some of them, I know they've had. A, a child died, died birth, and it's like, well, now what? You know, 
You know, if children are born children of the devil, you know, and then you hear things like, well, when a child comes out kicking and screaming, that's because they're a child of the devil. And it's like, this, these understandings just are not edifying. You know, that kind of talk is just not edifying. I don't, I don't know how else to put it. Say, what did you say? They say when it comes out screaming that yeah, it's a... That's because they're children of the devil. Oh, no, I haven't, I haven't heard it said that way, but anyway. Well, yeah. But that which is... The young are here just kind of preaching and they're leaving the church. That's what's happening. And I know other people that are involved in the... They said if this they're going to hear it anymore, they're not going to come and listen to it. I mean, it becomes a serious matter. So what do we say? Let them go? You know? So what? This is what has to be preached? I mean, it, I, it, that's the troublesome thing is we're, we're doing, we're talking about our finances. If we're dwindling, we are dwindling. You know, the last annual meeting we lost 42 couples. And the numbers show it. And certainly wrong. It's like people are leaving and it's like saying, well, they just want to leave and they want to go out in the world. Well, that's a dangerous assumption, you know? That's dangerous assumption. Well, the sad problem is, is if you hear that, and then you hear, I didn't mean that. So why are you saying that if you don't mean that? Most of the people that leave here don't know that he didn't mean that. Well, I've heard that too. That's not what I've meant. That's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I've It's been that way. Well, I didn't mean it that way. Well, why would you say it that way if you didn't? You, you got to explain it to me. I'm stupid. You know what I'm saying? I come to church to listen to the Word of God. Not, you have to explain it to me. Been that way all my life. Don't have to explain something, and, and, but I don't mean it that way. When you say 42 couples left between annual meetings, how many was Steve? People. I think it was 42 people, not couples. I think it was 42 people. 42 people. Of those, of those 42, how many was, was Steve responsible for them leaving? I can't say for sure. I, can't say I don't. I think we couldn't say for sure because I remember what Ray said when we had a meeting over there in the fellowship hall and it was brought up about people leaving and he said, well, they, they leave for many reasons, for, for many different Six people. Of those couples left directly because of Steve. Would that be a worrisome number? That would be quite a few for the other ones. No. Yeah, quite a few for for myself and Doug and Brian. and. Well, then why, why are people leaving? Because they just simply want to go on. I mean, well, the question people is have been in the church all their life, and they come down here and they come to this church because this is an Apostle Lutheran church. And they don't want to go to Eastside, and they don't want to go to... Calvary Church or somewhere else, but yet they leave here because they say, you know, just I, I'm not I'm not getting anything out of this. I don't even understand the sermon. You know, it's like where's where's the instruction? What 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 am I? You know, people leave because of that. Question: Forty-two people left, and two of them said they're not being fed. What's the? You know. What do you say? Just let them go? Let them go. Obviously they want to go out in the world. I, I, I just, I have a problem with that blanket statement saying, well, we'll just continue to shrink here. Right? But if we do, we're, something's not right. Something's not right. 
that's the, that's the thing that bothers me. It's like flip side of it, bringing this up is some people like Steve's preaching. So are we going to say, well, let's put him out and let those people leave? So we shouldn't put those people. I'm just because you know, some people, you know, do, do like his preaching. So it's not, you know. I guess if um, I, I like to hear Steve's clear understanding or acknowledgement, is it according his understanding according to the word that predestination and election is not found outside of Christ? And, it shouldn't, and, and my exhortation, exhortation shouldn't be preached other than in Christ, through Christ, by Christ. That's not what we're hearing. That's not the thrust. I think that's what people are struggling with. Can I make statements about a Muslim child from the pulpit? Where they? What do you think? They're just going to also say I'm going to follow God or something of that nature? That's unnecessary. We shouldn't be saying things like that. Yeah, because maybe. God is the Word. God can come and touch that child's heart and lead them to repentance and conversion. It's possible. I think maybe it's a good good thing for all of us preachers that we would um, be be there to listen, to uh, ask God to give us a humble and contrite spirit. It's for all of us. Yeah, we struggle with our own natures, but that's not an excuse in the end. There was a cry, and I brought it to the board, not the board, but to preachers' meetings. Let's try not to go in those controversial areas, but it doesn't seem like it, it just keeps going back. Why? If your thrust is not in the end, Calvin's understanding of predestination then I don't know what else it is if we're going to keep going back in those areas. Jesus said, preach forgiveness of sins, repentance and forgiveness of sins beginning at Jerusalem. I've heard that, <clears throat> that Jerusalem you know, is referred to our house. Right here, yeah, our own house, our, our own heart. To make statements like, just be careful with the forgiveness of sins from pulpit in that, I think we should be more exhorting people to, as Luther, or as the Word makes known, to examine our hearts with the Word. striving to walk in the footsteps of Jesus then boy that's a blessed matter God God will lead our heart there he's not going to lead our heart in that place where we're just going to think I don't know of anybody that feels that that they have to put away every sin Bob you have said you do you had somebody question that personally or whatever I don't know but I think it's quite Quite different today. I don't see people repenting as days pass. 
in the 60s and so forth. There was a lot of open repentances, were there not? My wife grew up in a congregation when when the Spirit of God began to move throughout that church, she was petrified, boy, she went underneath the bench. People started repenting and rejoicing. I, I dare, I, boy, I'd be afraid to say that that's not of God. That He would move the hearts to repent and put away sin. Or is it that we're so proud and we're so, so haughty people of today that you know what? We do a pretty good journey. You know what? We're doing all right. And I think it's a wonder. Where are we? When we take Jesus' own words and we ridicule it and look down upon it and speak against it. Jesus took a little child in His midst and He said, Such is the kingdom of heaven. And we're told now these these... Infants are damned. We speak of eternal. We speak of eternal sacrifice, and when Jesus speaks of these children, then we're told they're damned. That's what our our Augsburg Confession teaches, Brian. That children are damned. In the second article, read it. What does it say? Under concupiscence, born in concupiscence, that they're damned. It says they're born in concupiscence. Where do we find that in the Scripture? That's our second article. That's where we find it in, that's in God's that which word, is, be our final authority, folks. That is the doctrine of this church. That which is what born of say? flesh is flesh. The church is the Bible supersedes everything. Everything. That which is born of flesh is flesh, Jesus told Nicodemus, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Yeah. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. Yeah. So in our flesh, we're not born Christian in our flesh. Um, no, of course no, not. No, absolutely not. Well, and that's what that's what's being said. Wilfred brought it out so so wonderfully here. He says, children, you know, that Christ died for our sins, original sin, right? And when children are born, they're not believers, but they're not unbelievers, you know. I mean that that to me that's just a simple understanding in that. When we talked about in our last meeting there, uh, we were talking about, you know, the the children are born, children of the devil. It's like all of this stuff is not, people hear this and they're confused. It's not edifying. You know, and why can't we just lay those matters, you know, let those be. The end result is that you get into a bait with something they say, only God knows. It's totally up to God. Let us leave it like that. Right? The next time you have a sermon here, that's the first thing you hear. And it's like it's almost a mandate. You've got to drive that issue home, cram it down their throats. Why? Why? You know? Why? And it's like, I don't know. I, I just wonder what the real reason is. Because he discontent, that's why. Well, why would you want to cause hate? I have no idea.
you know, I've read some of his sermons, actually I've been reading some of his sermons, and he, and he states that some of the sermons out of children, you know, at an age of, he says, it says there in some of the sermons at that age, and so, yeah, maybe some, you know, around the age of seven, maybe yeah. some earlier, maybe some later, but they become responsible for their, for their own actions. I don't know, but on, on the board we have... Well, that's different than the issue that Steve's speaking on. Steve's speaking of original sin. And original sin was one of the Reformation doctrines that came forth from Luther's Reformation. But why did and Jesus die? Okay. Hey, Derry, when, when Jesus set that little child in the midst of them and said, such is the kingdom of heaven, was that that child had original sin. Yeah, and it needed a Savior. It needed yeah. a word. He needed a redeemer, right? It needed, it needed a redeemer and needed a word. Needed right. the living word. Right. Well, he picked the child up because the child was innocent. Can I ask? Can I read out of the catechism? Sure. It was just to teach our Sunday school kids about baptism. And we're kind of on different subjects. Who are to be baptized and why children should be baptized? The commandment of our Lord Jesus Christ is to make disciples, includes all nations. All those persons who are willing to become disciples and who profess scriptural faith in Christ are to be baptized. Infant baptism. Infants should be baptized at a very early age and thus be received into God's covenant as his children and be brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord so that they may always remain faithful and obedient children of God. Baptists argue against infant baptism with no basis of scripture. The reasoning that an infant has no capacity for faith flaunts superior superiority over the words of Jesus himself, who singled out a little child from among the disciples and said, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same as the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall offend one of these little ones, which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged above his neck, and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Jesus continues, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter the man. Jesus ended the old dispensation in which children were received into the Old Testament covenant by the rite of circumcision. Children from part of this nations whom Christ commanded his disciples to be baptized. The New Testament covenant of baptism was instituted by Jesus Christ to replace the rite of circumcision. Christ has commanded that little children be brought to him and we obey his command by baptizing them and teaching them in what other manner could they be brought to him if not by their receiving of the sacrament of his covenant. For Christ says of them, of such is the kingdom of heaven. And they brought unto him also infants that he would touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them up unto him and said, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Who dare contradict the words of the Master? The promise of God's grace is given to children as well as to adults, for the little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Infants have not yet committed any conscious transgressions. The apostle baptized whole families. And it goes on and on and on. You can read all about baptism four or five different places in here. I could say that he upholds that infants have faith. Because mm-hmm. Jesus says. I don't 
believe that children are innocent. I think that we won't use that argument innocent or using it wrong. Christ says that they have faith in. There's nobody innocent. Nobody's going to heaven because they're innocent. Correct. The people that are going to heaven are going to heaven because they believe in Christ. And Christ says that they believe on Him. As a child. That's our argument for baptizing little children. That Christ, Christ says they believe right now. And the Baptists say they got to wait till they're old enough to understand so that they can say they believe. He doesn't say it's born of the devil. No, it doesn't. He not say anything about that. Well, so why is it set up there like that? When Steve says such things as born of the devil and all that, he is, that's his way of saying original sin. And that causes a big... We can't argue against original sin. But original sin, original born sin is a different thing. Is um, evil inclination in our nature. Right. I mean, that has to recount that truth. Yeah. Right. And if, he, if every time he said, instead of, we're born children of the devil, it, that it's an evil inclination of our nature, people wouldn't get so offended. But when he says it like that, so it's really... The delivery, and but the, the, the thing I see is there's always there's always a new issue, and it keeps going around and around. But, but in the last the last talk we had, it's it was unless they hear the word, right? So if a child hears the word in the womb, right, you know, then then he's not a child, child of the devil. Where did that come from? Where, where did that come from? Is there it come by hearing. I know that, but how do you apply that to a child and come up with that understanding that unless the child in the womb hears that their children and they're, and they're not saved? Right? Why does Paul write about if one spouse is an unbeliever yeah. that the child are yet the children are holy? Why would he say that in that way? So you because take that and say that that a child that is born a child, a child born of Christian parents a Christian parent is holy in in Paul's writings and David when David's child Jesus died for all sin in First Corinthians can you find that in First Corinthians First Corinthians what First Corinthians eight, seven, eight, nine, ten. I can't remember exactly where it is. Whether elsewhere your children unclean, but now are they holy? As far as the children of unbelievers, we leave that in God's hands. But David writes. David writes. Why can't we just leave it in God's hands then? Why? I think that's why do we have to hear it? Because we have scripture. Why do we have to hear it? Scripture says that Luther teaches that. That's what Luther writes all the time. Luther writes it throughout his writings. Does anybody know what I'm trying to say? If it's not edifying and it causes misunderstanding, and if it causes dissension, if it causes you know an argument, if it causes a split, if people, I mean, why, why, why don't we just say leave it not I think we go where the where the matters are, whether they're in God's hands, these children. Why why are we so? Trust to, to, to put them in, in damnation. I think we would be much more to preach to the hearers that are there, right? 
than what ifs and, and so on. If we, we feel we want to delve in the mind of God outside His Word, we're going to get lost. Right? Okay, here's in 1 Corinthians uh, 7th chapter. They're speaking of the, if, you, if there's an unbelieving partner in the marriage. Um, 14th verse, For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified.